Welcome to the Raising Great Kids podcast. I'm your host today, Kendra Fleming. When your children have a strong relationship with you, like a healthy bond with you, it sets them up for success in almost every area of their life. As a matter of fact, a strong and healthy attachment to their parents and caregivers and those who love and care for them really lays a strong foundation for them to take risks later in life, healthy risks, uh, to grow in their independence and, and to become those individual adults that are uh, living a life of purpose and health and have great relationships on their own. That comes from their relationship with you. And so today uh, we have a great interview with Chenwei Williams, where she talks about the four S's of healthy attachment. I think you're going to find it really helpful. Hey, parents, I'm so excited to have Chinway Williams here with us again. Uh, we've been really lucky to be able to talk to her several times in the last uh, few weeks over and over. I've been able to jump onto Zoom calls with her and have some great discussions. So today we're going to talk about something that I think is very important. Uh, as we parent kids, I have four kids, and I know there are times where I was like, I just don't know if I'm doing a good job. I don't know if I'm uh, ever going to win at this. And we know parenting is complicated. We know it's difficult. And uh, this is what we're going to talk about today is a way to help a parent like begin to get it right. It is really about how to build relationships with your kids, uh, how to build a strong bond and attachment with them. And so I'm excited to talk about this. But before we dive in too deep, uh, Chinway, tell us a little bit about yourself. Absolutely, Kendra. So I am, I'm a mom. I think yeah. at the end of the day, <laughs> we're talking about parenting. Um, content, but I'm a mom of three. I've got my oldest, Jalen, who is 15, about to turn 16 in July. Mm -hmm. I've got my nine-year-old, Brayden, and I've got my five-year-old, Noah, and I've got my sweet, amazing husband, and we're both um, sheltering, <laughs> have been sheltering in place and mm -hmm. homeschooling and um, cooking and grilling and doing everything that everybody else is doing um, safely at home. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So the other day when we were talking, um, we were you you brought up the topic of the four S's, and I remember reading about this in my psychology book as I was taking some classes not too long ago, uh, and I thought, oh, what a great topic! And and to add all your richness and insight to this topic for parents to really help them know how to build a strong bond with their kids. That uh, as we kind of work our way through this, we're going to see like this is going to be sort of the core thing that holds them together uh, as they just work through this parenting journey uh, from babyhood to high school. It it will be helpful. In the matter really where you are. So overview for a minute what the four S's are. Yes, absolutely. So I wanted to share that um, Dan Siegel is the one who came up with this to me brilliant tool. Yeah. Um, for caregivers, um, again, grandparents, parents, any important individual adult in, in our kids' lives, for them to really get um, an idea of how we can foster secure bonds with our kiddos. And so the first S stands for seeing. Mm -hmm. And seeing is just basically, um, can you see me, right? This is the child asking and not see me with your eyes, but really um, 
being able to know me and perceive me on a deep emotional level. And S is for safe. And that's a, a word that we hear so much right now. And so safety really has to do with predictability mm-hmm. and avoiding actions and, and words that could actually be harmful to the child. So we want responses that are responsive um, and not frightening or harmful. And then the third S is soothe. Um, And I love this because this really has to do with how we relate emotionally uh, to our children. And so we can help them to deal with really difficult circumstances um, and difficult emotions using that particular S tool. And then the very uh, last one is secure. And I love this one too, Uh, reminds me of safety. Like how do we develop sort of this internalized sense of okayness? Now that's a word I just made up. Yeah. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But Dan Siegel would probably say, um, how do we help them feel like they're they they are well, this yeah. internalized sense of well-being. Um, how do we cultivate resilience? And so those are the four S's. And it, and it really comes from the theory, attachment theory, or, or an attachment perspective. And I do consider myself an attachment-based therapist. And all that really means is that I'm really focused on relationships. And attachment theory is, um, or the definition of attachment, Attachment is really that bond, that initial bond between a caregiver and an infant that gets cultivated in those very, very early stages of development where the infant feels like if I were to cry, Mm-hmm. You're going to come and respond and figure out what it is that I need. Do I need to be fed? Do I need to be um, changed? Mm-hmm. Do I need to be cuddled? So sometimes it's even emotional. It's not just sort of like those physical needs. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's why I really, really love this um, this tool because it really does extend beyond um, what we would do for infants. It goes well beyond, you know, um, young kids and into adolescence because we all at the end of the day need the same things. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Okay, so let's take them one by one and let's go just yeah. a little bit deeper so that we can really help parents understand the four S's and kind of how they would practically uh, play out in their parenting. So the first one is to help your child uh, feel seen and know that they are seen by you. So kind of describe that in more detail and, and give us some practical uh, handles on that one. Yeah. So seeing is, is, is really about empathy. Mm-hmm. It's about saying that um, I love you. So again, it's not seeing physically only. Yeah. It's yeah. really perceiving and loving deeply. So it's, it's saying I love you. It's really indicating that you as the parent see intrinsic value in your child. Um, another way to look at it is, you know, the child might be wondering, are you, are you present enough to see that I'm hurting? So just a quick example that happened, um, that happens a, a few times, but I remember the first time it happened, my, my little one, Noah was like three years old. And I remember being upstairs and I can't remember exactly what I was doing, but I know what happened downstairs because dad <laughs> told me, dad simply told him to pick up his napkin and wipe his hands on his napkin and not on his shorts. Right. <laughs> Well, my little Noah started wailing and wailing and wailing. And I, you know, I I noticed. Um, But what was super interesting and cute was that I was 
kind of doing what I was doing. I knew that dad had it under control. I came downstairs and Noah looked at me with those big brown eyes and he said, mom, did you hear me? <laughs> I said, uh, I played dumb for a moment. I'm like, what? hear what? And yeah. he said, mom, did you hear me crying? And I said, maybe I did hear you crying. And he was like, okay, I just wanted to make sure. <laughs> He's done that a few times, and yes. I think what he's really saying is, um, are you present enough to know yeah. that I'm in distress? Now, yeah. it was about cleaning up after himself, of course, yeah. but this could really apply to um, anything that our kids might be experiencing. Yeah. All kids desperately yeah. want to be seen and heard and for you to understand their feelings. Um, I, I talk to parents all the time and, and grandparents and, yeah. and you sometimes hear, well, you know, I grew up thinking that kids are supposed to be, um, you know, seen and not heard. Mm-hmm. And, and what, you know, what do you think about that? And mm-hmm. I was like, I don't know where that came from, <laughs> but I know I've heard it. I know that it, it's mm-hmm. been around and I know that um, that's a thing that some, some parents and grandparents um, have grown up with, but it just doesn't work. It just doesn't work. Kids desperately need to be seen and heard. Yeah. You know, uh, one thing that I like to tell a lot of our volunteers that I like to do with either my own grandkids is uh, part of like helping them know that you see them is stopping what you're doing. I've been really guilty as a mom of like continuing, maybe getting something out of the washing machine or, you know, just like doing a chore, but not stopping and giving them eye contact and like really stopping for a minute. Uh, And the other thing is to like kind of get on their level. I find like, I know we're not talking about physically seeing them, but for them to really feel like I'm empathizing, I'm truly in the moment with them and knowing, know what's happening. uh, I find those two things are helpful for me to remember because moms are busy. Dads are busy. Um, I've had my kids so many times, like I'm busy doing something else and thinking I'm doing both. I'm listening and I'm doing whatever my chore or, you know, whatever I'm doing at that moment. And they've, uh, as teenagers, like gotten annoyed with me and stomped out. And I realized, oh, okay, this is a moment. They need me to see them. And I'm, I'm engaging. I care so much, but I'm easily with my physical body showing them something different, you know? Yes. Yeah. So just, yeah. yeah, So the physicality is really, really important. Looking up from our phones or looking up from the magazine or stopping for a moment for a moment. And if you can, you know, I've got, you know, my boys at home and they actually love engaging me while I'm cooking, while I'm busy. Yeah. (laughs) And sometimes I can't in that moment, but it's such a good point, Kendra. It's actually a good thing to say, I can't right now, buddy, but I will in just a few minutes. Give mommy a few minutes. So just that interaction and not necessarily like ignoring them. Like they should know I'm cooking um, because they do, they're vying for our attention. Yes. And I love what you said also about just displaying empathy. So that falls in line with this category of being seen. So for parents, just, you know, some responses that can be really helpful is acknowledging when your child is hurting and just saying, I'm really sorry that you're going through that. Yeah. Um, it's helpful for really anyone at any age. Yeah. Um, and when they do share, some kids don't always share. Some kids yeah. are, you know, internalizing their emotions, but when they do share, 
you can say that sounds like that was really hard for you Um, and see what's difficult for some parents is that they kind of want to jump in and offer a solution um, or problem solve and there may be situations where that's appropriate but what I have found is just saying that sounds like it was hard or what was that like for you is really helpful. You know, when we were preparing for this talk and you talked about that, it was right around the time where COVID-19 was starting and my college age daughter, who was a senior in college, was just had just been home like a week and she was slowly finding out that college was not going to open back up and she was not going to get to go back for her senior year. And she was really disappointed and upset. And at the same time, I was learning all the new information about COVID-19 in the world. And it wasn't that I thought it was a small thing, but in my mind, it was a, let's, let's brainstorm solutions. And, you know, college will probably still let you graduate and all those things. I was kind of minimizing it a pinch. And um, when you and I got done talking uh, that night, I went in her room and I said, Hey, this must be really hard for you. And I know you're so disappointed. It was like something about this discussion, which I hope it does for a lot of parents just reminded me. I, I know that's true. I know that sometimes that's really all our kids need us to hear, need to hear from us. But uh, you inspired me that night. And I went, and I just went and did that with my daughter, something that I know to do. And I've done with my kids a lot through the years, but in the, in the hecticness of information overload, I guess at that season, I uh, needed that reminder and it, it just like turned a complete corner. She needed me to acknowledge this hurts mom. I'm disappointed, you know, and, and, and in that moment, I, I just was so glad that I did it. It, it felt oh, like a great thing to do. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. And and I, I love that you shared that. And, and just for parents, I, I want them to know that it, it is, it can be, you know, simple. It's not always easy yeah. to, to remember in the moment. And I've certainly fallen short sure. a number of times. Um, but it can be as simple as saying, you know, I'm sorry that this has happened. And also like buying a treat. I've got to tell you, working with teenagers, <laughs> They may not, you know, express yeah. it to their parents, but they're yeah. so grateful yeah. when their parents cook their favorite meal. Because one of the things that I like to do as sort of like a um, a routine or intro during my sessions is to ask about, you know, what are some wins or like, what are some positive things that are going on? Part of it is positive psychology, trying to shape the brain. Yeah. So they know coming in that Dr. Williams is going to ask for something positive positive. Yeah. Be surprised how many times they'll say, "My mom baked me this thing," or "My mom made macaroni and cheese." Yeah. Um, so really, sometimes just recognizing their favorite food. Yeah. And when they're going through a tough time, that helps uh, kids of all ages to feel sure. seen. Yeah, I, I bet it does. I, I mean, I think even just knowing that you know their favorite food and you did it just for them. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Feels special. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Okay, let's go to the second S, which is safe. Help your child. Yeah, yeah. so safe is just, you know, avoiding those um, actions and words that, that could harm our children. And of course, you know, none of us want to intentionally do anything to harm our kids. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's really about safety is really about consistency, in, in mm-hmm. my opinion. That's probably the foundational aspect of this particular S is consistency. So what does that look like in terms of family routines? Um, We talked a a while ago, Kendra, about crisis and transitions and what kids need to feel secure when life doesn't feel 
it feels anything but, right? And so sometimes that just is about helping them to see things that are familiar. So keeping um, meal times the same, keeping bath times and bedtimes. And even if it, this is about, um, you know, we talked about going through like a difficult transition, such as a separation or a divorce. I always talk to parents about consistency around discipline yeah. and, and consequences, because mm-hmm. sometimes that goes by the wayside and we want to maybe um, be a little more loose mm-hmm. um, with those types of things. But, but our kids notice that. And so safety Um, really does mean predictability. Mm -hmm. And so in addition to kind of keeping up with those family rules and routines, Mm -hmm. safety is also letting your child know that you are always going to be in their corner. It doesn't mean that you're going to agree with the behavior, right? So you're not always going to be happy with their decisions. I tell my kids all the time, I may not be happy with what the choice that you made, um, but I'm always going to love you. Yeah. And really reinforcing that, right? I'm always going to be in your corner. And kids need to hear that over and over again. They need to hear that we love them. They need to hear that we're proud of them. They need to hear that we believe that they're kind and brave and strong. Um, And even when they're not necessarily making the right choices. uh, Kendra, you and I had, had a conversation about this. I, to this day, remember... Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I had my first job. I worked at Blockbuster Video. I don't know if anybody mm-hmm. remembers that when we used to <laughs> watch videos on tape or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I was so proud of that job, but it was my first job and I was learning how to balance my checkbook. And I, um, oh, I, I had an overdraft um, yeah. and it was mortifying because check after check kept bouncing. <laughs> and um, of course, my parents uh, caught wind of this. And I remember they said, we're going to have a talk around seven o'clock. Well, the butterflies in my stomach were yeah. going crazy because I just knew I was in big trouble. Mm-hmm. And I thought that they wouldn't think that I was responsible. And I don't know, I thought I would get, you know, on restriction or something. And and it was the both of them. I'm like, the both of you need to talk to me about this? Okay. Um, but what was so lovely about that experience that I remember to this day is that they really just explained to me how balancing a checkbook worked. Yeah. And what I needed to pay attention to. And if I needed help, that I needed to come to them early, yeah. early, so something yeah. like this wouldn't happen. And so that stands out to me because I feel like um, sometimes our kids think that we're going to like really come down on them or we're going to think that they um, made this egregious error. So we can correct the behavior. We can um, help them to problem solve without making them feel like we aren't there for them. Yeah. Um, so that's, yeah. yeah. I love I love what you're saying too because you know as a parent now of young adults uh, establishing that you're a safe person and that they're safe when they come to you eventually our kids will hit hard things I mean they may bounce a check but you and I both know as adults uh, that's that's not the end of the world at all that's that's a that is a learning moment and there's much more dangerous things in the world yeah. for 
kids. And so, uh, but establishing that you're a safe place and that you can uh, keep your kids safe as you talk to them on these little bit easier things sets you up in the future because there will be for some of our kids harder things they need help with and they're going to be afraid to come to us and we have to really have established that talking to us is going to be okay. They, there might be consequences, but even in the consequences, uh, they know they're safe in the middle of those. I know one time or a lot of times when my kids were young and as they grew, I tried to be careful because sometimes when I just saw them being naughty, I just wanted to correct the behavior, you know, younger. um, but I wanted to be careful to not like always assume the worst, you know, I see something naughty. It's even just clearly naughty. Um, and I just don't want to always assume the worst. And so I kind of forced myself because I was like a quick, I was quick, quick reactor. So I found myself like just immediately thinking I saw what I saw and somebody's in trouble, you know, kind of. (laughs) Uh, And so I forced myself to start uh, the the beginning of whatever I saw happening by sincerely asking my kids, uh, tell me what you were thinking when this happened. Um, not like, what were you thinking? You know, but like generally, uh, with kindness going, Hey, tell me what you were thinking when this happened. And often I found that maybe they were just naughty and they, there was a consequence for it. And, and sometimes even them trying to verbalize, like I was thinking I wanted that and I didn't want to share, you know, sometimes (laughs) simple, right? <laughs> yes, but sometimes they would tell me things like, this is really special to me because so-and-so gave it to me and I'm afraid they're going to break it. And me kind of understanding a little bit, like helped me understand, even if I ultimately made them share, yeah. um, I might talk to their sibling about this is really important to them and you need to be careful with it because they value, you know, things like that. And I, I found that that helped me yeah. sort of shape my conversations with them in a way that's I think delivered this level of safety. Now, clearly I did not do it all the time perfectly. There's plenty of times I just hollered at him and told him to knock it off, you know, right. <laughs> For sure. but I feel like that's kind of what you're talking about. Absolutely. Absolutely. So something common that, you know, that parents go through is, Hey, it's time to put away your toys. It's dinner yeah. time or it's bedtime. Right. And the, and you're, let's say, five-year-old it doesn't want to mm-hmm. and you've mentioned it multiple times and I think it's so common for parents to react and go into kind of discipline mode yeah. um, and in some cases that is warranted mm-hmm. but what if we stopped and paused just as you did and say okay so tell me what's going on and mommy has asked you to do this multiple times and it hasn't happened mm-hmm. let's have a conversation about this yeah. and you might learn and oftentimes you do learn um, especially at that age that the child is having difficulty transitioning or they're in the middle and maybe you're too busy Yeah, and you haven't noticed that they're actually in the middle of building this huge block tower and they just want to be done. And I've actually heard a child say, I just wanted to be able to yeah. do it. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you can look at it as naughty and, and yeah. disobedient being disobedient. But when you really learn their motivations, like you said, it can help shape future conversations. Yeah, for sure. One other thing I was thinking about as you were talking about using phrases like I love you and I'm so proud of you and you're so kind or so brave. Um, I read some research this week and I heard someone else share it as well that we have somewhere between I think 60,000 and 80,000 thoughts a day. 
and that uh, they are pervasively negative if we're not careful and that we have to like actively uh, shape our thinking, which, you know, you and I both know that that is true, that we have to regularly kind of take our thoughts captive and get them in order, right? And and let those negative thoughts sort of define how we view the world. Mm -hmm. But when I, as I heard you saying those phrases, I thought, what also a wonderful way to create like kind of mental and emotional safety in your child's mind and heart to start to redirect them from the pervasiveness of negative thinking to shape for them uh, how you see them so that those are the thoughts that, you know, resonate with them and knowing that they need lots of reminders of them. We kind of think like, I told you, I love you. I told you I'm proud of you, but they need to hear it over and over again and, and, and hear it expressed. So I loved hearing you talk about the words that we say. Yeah, maybe one day we can have like another conversation around this, but yeah. um, I think love languages mm-hmm. work beautifully yes. for kids. It's yes. not just part, it's any relationship, right? Yes. What can we do to um, not just say or believe that our kids know we love them, yes. but what can we do so that they can feel that they're loved. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. All right, the third S is soothed. So talk to us yeah. about that a little bit. So soothe is all about helping our children to deal with those difficult emotions. Right. Um, so there are a couple of there are a couple of categories that I think of when I think of soothe. So how can we provide physical soothing or physical comfort and how can we provide emotional comfort so remember the four s's it's is about caregiving responses and interactions right that are going to foster that secure bond um, so when your child is going through a tough time it could be a friend that pushes them in the playground a friend that is no longer a friend just because yeah. um, if you have a nine-year-old girl that can be very devastating to them or something bigger, some huge life transition, um, such as a separation or a divorce. Uh, and you notice really big emotions, right? Um, it could be anxiety, it could be sadness, it could be irritability. Like how can we help soothe our children in that moment? And so two thoughts come to mind, physical comforts, which could be simply like a blanket. Mm-hmm. It could be, again, making their favorite food. Anything that's going to make them feel special in that moment, feel held and contained, can be so powerful. And the other piece has to do with just emotional support. So if you have a younger child, reading them their favorite story, bedtime story at night, maybe taking a little bit of time, because I know as a parent, um, if I've had a long day, those stories last about 30 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> and my son's looking at like, okay, like that's not the end. <laughs> um, they're like, time for bed. Uh, yeah. But maybe taking just a little bit more time so they know that you're really present and attending in that moment. And then the other huge one that I feel like really falls in this category is just teaching them emotional language. Mm-hmm. Um, kids feel big feelings all of the time, but they don't know how to process that. And one way to help them to kind of process and make sense of everything that they're experiencing is to give them language for it. Uh, So that's what I love about this particular category. Um, It's just so powerful to be able to bring calm to a child who's very anxious or upset when you can say, hey, let's name this feeling. Mm -hmm. 
I love that. I I do I find that is so important, and it it's it's so interesting as you especially are working with younger children uh, to sometimes I can almost just see the frustration in their bodies because they are frustrated about something, but they don't know how to tell you that. Um, A lot of times that comes out in kicking somebody or throwing themselves on the floor or, you know, things like that. Mm -hmm. Uh, But as if you can help them begin to say like, you look very frustrated right now. Is that how you're feeling? Um, Or tell, or tell me you, you, I can sense that you're very angry. So tell me like in those early years, you helping them name them very simply uh, is very helpful because a lot of times that just also just dissipates the the physicalness of what they're feeling and allows them to like put it into words and language. I, th- I find that to be like such great advice. Which is like an excellent, it really is an excellent uh, coping tool uh-huh. for, for them as adults. Yeah. Um, because we're always going to be dealing with um, situations that are going to elicit big feelings and feelings inherently aren't bad or good. They just are. Yes. And really equipping our children with um, emotional literacy is what we call it. But just being able to name their feelings mm-hmm. is so helpful. So sometimes I just, in, you know, I encourage parents to just offer like three emotions. So I tease my teenagers all the time and my young adults actually. Yeah. <laughs> and I say, you know what? They're probably more than two feeling words um, uh-huh. other than uh, angry or pissed off <laughs> and and happy. And yeah. you know, I pull out my feeling wheel and, uh-huh. you know, so many of us have feeling, you know, charts and or we're yeah. familiar with them. Yeah. So I that to be really helpful in sort of expanding their awareness of all of these other emotions that really speak to what they're experiencing. I'm frustrated. I'm irritated. I'm annoyed. I'm disappointed. Um, So those things I think can really be useful as they um, engage others in relationship as adults. Well, that sounds like a, uh, another good topic we should dive (laughs) in. I would love that. Um, Right now, my little grandson, who is 10 months old, is living with us. And uh, anybody who's a parent of a preschooler knows that right around dinner and the time after is sort of like the witching hour when everybody's fussy and cranky and tired. And um, one of my favorite things to do that just kind of brought to mind as you were talking about like physical things is just to grab his blankie out of his bed and throw it over my shoulder and pick him up. And he immediately, because he's just tired and cranky and irritated and all the things he can't possibly tell me yet uh he starts to feel soothed by like a familiar mm-hmm. comfort object and i just i just don't want to like rush by that idea that there are physical things uh maybe you let them sleep with you i know we talked about that a little bit for a night maybe you lay in their bed at night for 10 minutes and pray for them or talk to them or sing them a song or like there's a lot to be said about the physicalness of comfort that you can provide for a child. 100%. I love that. I love that. Touch is very um, regulating and and those physical objects that kids associate with comfort um, can be very, very simple but effective. Yeah, for sure. Okay. We're on the last S, uh, secure. So talk talk to us about that one. Yeah. So Dan Siegel says that um, we want to make sure our kids feel secure. So what does that mean? That we want them to develop an internalized sense of who they are, of, of being well. We want to cultivate resilience. And that's a word that I know um, so many of us as parents are aware of, but sometimes it's hard to know exactly how to do that. And so 
one of the things that, you know, I often mention to parents is just teaching, you know, coping skills. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we talked about one just a moment ago, just that emotional language, being able to name what it is that you're feeling. Um, And for parents, making sure that we give them a lot of encouragement, Mm -hmm. a lot of positive feedback as they are kind of navigating um, their ability to, to not just act out with anger or aggression, but really talk through what it is that they're experiencing and saying, yeah, you've got this and tell me more. What else is going on with you? Is there anything that you need from me um, to to be able to help you with that? Mm-hmm. And then the other thing that I think helps kids to feel secure is if you, um, you know, Kendra, we are in, involved parents and we, we want to be there for our kids. But my goodness, what if something were to happen? Like what if we were going through a really stressful season? Um, So many parents, especially right now, have lost their jobs. And that just puts a lot of tension on the family. Um, Or what if we're just unwell, right? And so I think it's so important for us to point out specific adults in our children's lives that they can go to for support, whether we're around or not. And so I think that that is so helpful. What was it that um, that we hear all the time that Fred Rogers, his mom said to him, like, when you are in yeah. a difficult situation, when you're in a crisis, mm-hmm. look for the helpers. Yeah. Look for the helpers. And how reassuring mm-hmm. is it for, for parents to know that if something were to happen to us, God forbid, there will be other special, um, important, reliable adults in our kid's life that they can go to. Yeah. You know, I think as parents, especially the younger our kids are, but really at every age, we, we just want to rush in and rescue. I, I find myself, you know, having to train myself out of that. And what's funny is I feel like such a personally independent person, but there's something just naturally in me uh, that when my see my kids in trouble, whether it's emotional distress or physical distress, for sure, I just want to run and rescue. Yeah. Uh, but I really love the words around feeling secure is helping them to see that they have options for how to feel well and take care of themselves. And sometimes those options, like you said, mean going to somebody else that's mm-hmm. trusted. And helping your kids see that there are other people you would trust as well and ask for help. And some of it is just learning, uh, like, the hopefulness inside of you that I can figure this out. I can try things. I can think about things. I can uh, – it's possible for me to, like, figure this out and get myself on a a safe and healthy path. So I love that one. Yeah, that's that's so true. And, you know, um, Kendra, you and I know this really well, being around young people – um, teens right now are struggling with anxiety. They're struggling with perfectionism. Um, and, and I think we as adults can really kind of take a look at that. Uh, uh, sometimes, and this is not in any way, you know, blaming adults. Um, but just like you said, my instinct is, is the same thing when my child is hurting or when anyone is really hurting, the urge is to kind of come in and like swoop in. Um, what I'm hearing honestly from my teens and my college students is that they wish that they had those coping skills, those the ability to do sort of simple things for themselves and that maybe mom and dad, um, out of love and care and concern, really took the lead and did for them. Um, so we don't have to be the ones to fix all of their problems. We can be that support for them. 
Mm-hmm. We can be available for them. But really, I think there's there's something powerful in letting our kids know that they're brave, they're strong, they're capable. And something you can say to them is, I know you can do this. Mm-hmm. I know you can do this. I'm going to be here to help um, if you need me. But I actually think that you have what it takes to overcome this. Um, and by the way, I say that as a therapist. And yeah. people are paying me. In <laughs> some ways, they think to kind of give them advice and figure things out. But, and I say this up front, but honestly, I see my role as really helping them to figure out their own internal strength yeah. and resources, um, because that's what's going to carry them through. Cause I, I don't want them to need me. Yeah. Um, and I think as parents, we should definitely think about that. Mm-hmm, for sure. Okay. So I've really loved talking about this topic because I feel like, um, as parents, a lot of these things, no matter what age your kids are, but starting with them simple and small and young, like starting to help your toddler, two-year-old, three-year-old, four-year-old get gain the confidence that they can do certain things on their own. Um, you and I both know that as kids grow into uh, middle school and high school age and teenage, those teenage years or those college years, you're not going to be there to rescue them. And you're going to really rely on the strength of your bond with them to um, have influence with them, to for them to know that you're in their corner. And I just feel like these four S's are very simple things that we can do and should do. And uh, it's, it's just been such a great reminder. So as we, right before we say goodbye, do you have anything else you would like to share with parents about just bonding and attaching and strong relationships with their kids? As a matter of fact, I do. And you and I haven't even talked about this. Yes. Um, and it's going to seem a little bit off topic, but it really isn't. Yeah. Uh, the quickest way to bond with your children is through play. And I actually want to read a quote from um, a parent, a parenting expert, a child. Her name is Dr. Karen Purvis. And she says, scientists have recently determined that it takes approximately 400 repetitions to create a new synapse in the brain, unless it's done with play. In which case it only takes between 10 and 20 repetitions. Mm. So especially um, as our globe, uh, our world is kind of coming out of um, this particular crisis that we've been in, I really want to uh, reinforce the the benefits of play and really encourage parents. You are doing a fantastic job. And oftentimes it really is sort of the, the, the simplest um, strategies yeah. or and you don't have to go on lavish vacations mm-hmm. to, to bond with your children. You don't have to, you know, invest a ton of, of money. You do have to invest your time, but that really is what your, your kids need is your time and your presence. And whatever you do, do it through play. It's yeah. fun. It strengthens, the, it strengthens the family bond. Um, it's good for self-esteem. And boy, we just, we all need to just um, have fun these days. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, thank you so much, Shenwei, for uh, sharing all of your great advice and uh, insight and for just walking us through how to have a stronger bond with our kids. It's so great to talk with you and I hope we talk to you many more times. I love this. Thanks so much for having me. Yes, thank you. Talk to you soon. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Bye.